Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Podcast. This is We Are Bagoo, Season 2, Episode 13, The Dev House Agency Lost in Paracosm. If this is your first time checking out the podcast network, please head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you get a chance, head over to our social media. All links can be found in the description. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash We Are Podcast. And with that said, on to the podcast. We Are Magoo. Hey everybody, welcome to We Are Bagu, a video game podcast where we talk Atari, Kasim, and everything in between. I am your host, Doc. Today I am with the amazing, the incredible Jim Welch. Jim, how are you doing today, sir? Wonderful. So good. Thank you for uh, having me on today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being on. Jim is the creative director, head of studio for Dev House, which focuses primarily on AR, VR, and game production. So a little bit of everything. We we cover quite a range. Yeah, we're we're self-funded, right? So that means we kind of get to wear a lot of hats and cover quite a gamut to keep everyone busy. Yeah, and you guys got, I mean, literally, you're feeding everything here. Going down the line, you know, it feels like you're focusing primarily right now on the metaverse. You're at the forefront of the metaverse in a lot of ways with focusing on VR and AR primarily. So I want to talk about that. Uh, You do have video. I don't know if it's playable, but I watched the video for the VR golf simulator the VR pinata, VR warehouse with the forklift. I thought that was pretty cool. The AR, the Uber driver AR game, augmented reality, virtual real estate tours, and the custom face filters, just to name a couple of each of those. So right. what what is uh, DevHouse doing uh, with all the AR and VR? Are you at the forefront? Is this like a five-year plan where the metaverse is going to take over and you guys are going to be at the forefront of it? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. So as DevHouse proper, we started, I would say, in 2018. Um, I've been doing development uh, you know, for many, many, many years before then. But when I formed DevHouse, it was primarily on AR and VR. I mean, that was where most of my recent career had kind of led me as a Unity developer, a bit of Unreal as well. But that's kind of where my, my niche was. A lot of people hired me for that work. So I thought, man, I should really start a studio focusing on this. And so we've been doing this for years. And then when kind of this metaverse craze happened late last year, it's been rumbling for some time now, but really took shape when Facebook switched its name to Meta. That got a lot of eyeballs and they invested a ton of money into that so that really shifted the industry dynamic and focus and so we still kind of do the same work we've been doing there's been a few other skill sets we've added on but really we're metaverse developers which is really kind of another way of saying ar vr gaming there's that addition now of kind of the blockchain that's that's kind of another element in metaverse but but yeah, we've we've been in the space and we we continue to be in the space and and so we're we're in the middle, I guess, of that kind of five year plan and and like to consider ourselves thought leaders in the space. Yeah, I was watching, especially with the football uh, training simulator. That was the one that was really taking me there. I'm like, this is the future because people are going to want to play Madden in VR eventually. It's going to happen, and so showing that you had a demo at least that showed what that would look like you know and all it takes is one you know other studio to say hey we want to partner with you let's go with this full force and then you could go but i saw that you've been creating demos for all kinds of stuff left and right i really appreciated the augmented reality virtual real estate tour i thought that was really cool too the fact that somebody was walking around your office in that space with the tablet and you were actually walking through the rooms i thought that was really neat yeah, there's something about your apartment shopping or house shopping, but especially apartment shopping, you'll go to the websites, and you always see the floor plans. Like, okay, I'm going to move into this apartment, which floor plan do I want to see the top down pictures, 
Sometimes they have photos in the actual unit, but if it's like a brand new building, sometimes they don't have those yet. You get some sense. You definitely can make a decision off of those, but having that spatial awareness of like, okay, if I take five steps and oh shoot, from the kitchen to the bedroom, that's not, that's not enough space. Yeah, I didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah. So you get that with the, the AR. So there is value there and, and being able to swap textures and things are things that game engines can handle, which, you know, a photo on, on the internet wouldn't allow you to do as easily. Oh yeah. And it's genius because I always go to the virtual tour because I want to know what I'm looking at. And right now we're apartment shopping. So that's, I was like, this, this fits perfectly. If I could do this, this would be amazing. Right. Uh, is there a long-term game that you're working on other than the one we're going to talk about within the VR or the AR? Is there anything that is in the books or you're working on that's kind of under the radar? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's one potential project that I that I can't talk about, but it's with a game studio that we're hoping to do kind of a VR prototype, which hopefully will turn into a port of, of their game. So that could be that could be exciting. So looking forward to seeing where that plays out. Um, but we're also doing another internal project in VR, sort of a math learning game, but it, it's VR and it's shooting a paintball gun. So it's a lot more fun than like just doing doing kind of arithmetic and, uh, you know, on paper or something. But, but yeah, so it's pretty cool. It reminds me of when I was a kid and I, you know, kind of get to play the learning game, in the computer lab and stuff. And it, it was kind of a fun way to to learn while doing something enjoyable. So, so we're building that right now and we're actually working on a trailer. And so we're going to announce that probably before this airs, like we're pretty close, like I, oh, I hope wow. in the next few days. So yeah, I'll have to pass a link to you if it goes live so you can share that link along. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. I've also played a little bit of Horde, the zombie destruction game on the Android. Fun little game where you just go through. It's a time trial kind of game where you actually become a zombie and then you have to get the other characters that are alive and they become part of your zombie horde and you build your horde. It's kind of an arcade style game. And that was released when? Was that one of the first things think, you put out? Yeah, that was that was one of our first releases. Yeah, like we, we do a ton of client work. So our, our studio kind of uh, lives and breathes off the client work while we, we carve out as much time as we can to do our passion projects. And, and we actually worked on the zombie horde destruction right when the, the first wave of the pandemic hit. Everything kind of stopped. Like all business kind of shut down for, for a few months. And, and that included our software company really every all of our clients just hit the pause button so we're like hey we have like one to three months what can we build in one to three months and so we came up with this design and, and built it out and so that was in 2019 yeah i think mid 2019 is when we built that and, and put it out and we've done a couple small updates and we had some some more grand design ideas if we ever kind of get the funding or time to go back to it but for now it's like a fun little kind of almost tech demo arcade game where you can see what it's like to yeah be the zombie and grow your horde versus like a, a long story or progression path which was maybe a future version of the project if we get to it i wanted to talk about that too like you said you kind of began the studio and then you were there for about a year and a half two years and then pandemic hits to stay alive in that period number one is awesome because a lot of things folded but it looks like you have like i said your hand in many different pots because what you were working on a lot of stuff with drones is that correct yeah, so we, we've done some drone work, but I mean, really, our, our core business, thankfully, we were able to stick pretty close to it. Part of that, I think, is because we're cast kind of a wide net. So we do software development. There was even a phase where we were doing some mobile apps, which we have the capabilities to, but it's sometimes if you are an expert at everything, you're an expert at nothing, right? So while we do some of those projects as well, our heart is really in AR, VR games. But yeah, when the pandemic hit, we had to say, okay, what work is available that we can do that included our IP, included some mobile apps, included some web apps, things like that. 
you know, some of the work you, I think what you're referring to is like the GoPro drone project. That one was sort of a, another tech demo where we took some technology that we built for another project that wasn't proprietary to them, but we couldn't show it because it was under NDA. And we were able to take that technology and, and show it off on kind of a concept project, which is the GoPro drone app that you probably saw. Yeah, that was really cool. Like I said, you show so many different things and your scissor reel has it and you can go to your YouTube channel and watch all those. And that'll be linked in the description. Of course, you can find that at the Dev House Agency on YouTube. Enjoying this episode? Go check out Geekster, a dating and friends app for geeks that focuses on common interests as a way to make meaningful connections. Download today on the App Store or click the link in the description to find out more. Geekster, this is what happens when nerds collide. Geekster, available on iOS and Android. But let's get to what we're here to talk about. Retropalooza this year in Arlington, Texas. You had a giant booth. It was awesome. And the stickers were amazing. You were showing off the demo to the game. The game is called Lost in Paracosm. And it's a 3D top-down indie darling adventure game set between the small town of Middle Bell and the imagination of a young boy and his friends. What is the game all about? What are, what, yeah. what, what are we looking at? Yeah, so Lost in Paracosm is fun because this is like a pure passion project. While we are starting to shop for a publisher, potentially, there's currently no publisher, there's no client. It's purely a dev house creation. So it's a really special project for us. The idea behind it, the, the seed of it came from kind of dreams as I was a kid, actually. So when I was a kid, I would sometimes have these nightmares. It's like, oh, I go downstairs, my parents are werewolves or something scary and I run away and it's a super scary dream. And then suddenly, maybe I, I find my friend like while I'm running away from these scary monsters and then now suddenly the dream is kind of fun and cool and an adventure and, and I remember that interesting like dichotomy and juxtaposition of like okay something something very scary when you're alone becomes an adventure when you're with your friends and so I wanted to play with that so with Lost in Paracosm our main character Marco he, he's often in these situations where he's kind of by himself and whether it's because he kind of overreacted to something and maybe ran off or whatever circumstances might isolate him, thing can get kind of creepy and scary and he gets lost into his imagination, which is more or less a synonym for paracosm, which is basically a really intense imagination that, you know, children could get wrapped up into. So yeah, so Marco gets like pulled in these imagination zones and he'll have these kind of scary or puzzly based experiences and then he'll find a friend and then suddenly they become a lot more action, a lot more fun, upbeat sort of experiences. And so you get these little gameplay bits all strewn out through a story experience. So really we want the main takeaway is the narrative and the sort of traveling with Marco and his friends to kind of go through his journey with them. And he has three friends along for the journey. We have TJ, Zoe, and little Benny. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And so a little bit more about these characters. I love that the characters are diverse, first of all, you know, that this project has a diverse cast culturally. I thought that was really cool. What about the characters? Is TJ like the best friend or is Zoe? What, what are we looking Yeah, at? so you play as Marco. He's obviously the main character because that's who you play as. Benny is the youngest of the group. So he tends to really like pull to Marco and really want to emulate Marco and just do whatever makes Marco happy. So, you know, Marco often looks out for him, but Benny's sort of the, the yes man of the group's Marco. Zoe is the smart one. So Zoe, she's always kind of being a little sarcastic. She's just a lot smarter than her friends. And so she sometimes gives them a hard time about it. And TJ is, is kind of the tough one. He's a little little older than Marco, but they kind of go way back and, and he ends up being kind of the, the brawn in the group. So everyone has their own little role to play and, and some kind of subtle key positions they get dropped into. So is this going to be very story heavy? 
this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, I want to, you know, get across the feeling that I kind of had when I was younger, but also from just a opportunity for us to be creative as a studio. I thought it would be really great for us to build a more story-driven game. The next title we do, we might flip it on its head and do something more, you know, like a first-person shooter. Who knows? We haven't designed that next title yet. But this one, we really wanted to tell a story and show that like we can build a narrative experience as a studio. Where do you feel the inspiration came from? What, were there certain games you played when you were younger that made you go with this? I, I don't even really know. If it, is it over the top 3D? Is it open world? What what are we looking at? It seems a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I mean, most games you kind of glance at and get a sense of, of how it is. But with the Lost in Paracosm, I was afraid that if we just built a, a straight narrative, it might be a little boring. There's there's some games that I really want to get into that look beautiful. And then I start playing them and I, I get a little bored. And so for our design throughout these stories, when you get pulled into these imagination zones, as we're calling them, so you're in the neighborhood. And then before you know, it, you're suddenly in a forest full of goblins and castles and things. Now, those sections, a lot of them are going to have that adventure kind of thing, like sort of Diablo top-down isometric sort of camera. A lot of them are going to have that, but then there's some that are totally different. Like we have a sort of Star Fox-esque space shooter on rails moment when, you know, he, he pretends he's in space. And, you know, we have a Wild West shootout where, you know, now we're instead of swinging a sword, we're shooting, you know, a gun off of a train in the Wild West. And so we're really playing with a lot of different genres within Paracosm. We you just get to play with them a little bit and it makes it a little break of pacing a little bit of everything but the closest i would say is is a bit of like a a top-down adventure adventure style game so is this kind of like mini games throughout is, is that what, how you would describe it yeah i i would i would avoid the word mini games i mean like that's fair like i would say that's that's the, an easy way to kind of understand the concept but they don't feel like mini games in the sense of how those are normally used it's not like in final fantasy 7 where you go to the arcade and you, you play the little mini games like that feels like a toy in the game like these are central so to give you an example like a, an actual gameplay example at one point in the story marco needs to go find benny so he's running through the neighborhood trying to find where Benny's at. He goes down this path down the road and it leads kind of winding down into the backyard. Yeah, they have some woods in their backyard. So you start looking and, and so Marco goes a little deeper and a little deeper and it starts to get a little dark. And then suddenly the woods gradually turn and transform into a goblin forest. And so it's not like a, a mini game in the sense that like, oh, I walked an arcade cabinet and I did some things. It's, it's built into the flow. So you really naturally flow into all of these, these experiences. Yeah, if it looks like to me, is like when you say in the description, the ending darling, I love that because it, it does look like you're going to embody these characters and go on a true adventure throughout. Yes. And the idea of the imagination, the child's imagination, as we get older, that doesn't really go away. I mean, reality sets in, but I still find myself daydreaming all the time. I don't know about you. But right. So like I always escaped when I was on the school bus for that hour long ride a day looking out the window just daydreaming away, just imagining all these crazy adventures that I would go on in my life and things like that. So right. I love the idea of going back to my childhood and be able to re-experience that in game form. The art style seems simplistic, but then it transforms into these other worlds and then it's crazy artistic. The aesthetic just takes over. And is that a conscious effort to make it seem like simpler in some places and then be able to be big and bombastic in others? Yeah, the art style is in an interesting place. So what we showed at Richard Galooza is sort of a, a work in progress. We're still pretty early in development. The The vision for the art style is we're sort of, we're starting to build quick prototypes and really get the game design flowing. We start with some, some kind of basic 
you know, kind of low poly style 3D models that we're using for placement and level building and set dressing. And then we're passing it through another round of art where we then take it and we actually, what we're calling like Ghiblify it, where basically we make it watercolory and, and sort of give the studio Ghibli type vibe to it. And that is going to transfer across all the environments. So they'll all feel cohesive for the most part, but they're all in various states. So what we showed at that conference was kind of some were already converted to that watercolor style. Others were in the process, but the eventual end goal, they should all feel feel similar. Are you going to do voice acting or is it all going to be just written out? Yeah, voice acting. Yeah. So I actually have an audio background. And, and for me, I always appreciate good voice acting. And, and so, yeah, if, even for where we're at, we did initial scratch track pass. And so we had some voice actors come through and just do a, a first take and, and kind of get some voices in the experience. And so we really love the way that felt. Um, we're going to have subtitles in case people like to play, of course, with sound off or aren't able to hear but but yeah there will be voice acting throughout how long has this been in production now you said you just pretty much started yeah no that's that's tough to answer because we like I said we do client work and so this project has been kind of floating on the back burner for a while so we started it had some initial designs worked on it for a couple months and then took a couple months off and so we as of kind of earlier this year we sort of formally said like let's make sure this gets out let's take a priority on it so i would say beginning of the year really with January is when we took like an earnest let's make sure this is a thing we put out and I would say a few months before that we are doing some decent hours I, you know we got the Retropalooza build out in October and then we kind of paused from October into January and now we're back up now we don't have an exact timeline for finishing it but we now have some rough ideas that I don't want to say and then have to break in those <laughs> delivery dates. But we we have some ideas of, of a final delivery date and an actual timeline and sprints planned out. And so we're, we're getting pretty serious into production now on it. Hey everyone, it's just Doc jumping in here real quick to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If you're enjoying it, head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you get a chance, head over to our social media. All links can be found in the description. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash we are podcast. And with that, back to the podcast. When you say the tagline on the website, uncover what is lost and find yourself, what does that mean to the story? There's something about everyone's heard of fight or flight, right? So something happens and either you fight or you run away. With the child or people who are, are unable to fight or flight, they disassociate. So it's like, hey, I can't get out of here and I can't fight against it. So I'm going to disassociate. And that's a lot of kind of what Marco is, is going through. And throughout this process of playing the game, you sort of grow into a more independent, less reliant person as Marco. He's very reliant on his friends, on his parents, on his his town, really. And throughout the experience, he actually becomes defined who he, he truly is and, and becomes that kind of self-confidence that he can he can kind of exist more on a, a level he doesn't have to always feel afraid or having to disassociate into these imagination zones. That, that is really cool because that speaks to me as a person. I understand that because I disassociate quite a bit. Of some of the character designs you've put out, the bully, the witch doctor, the frog or the toad, I'm not sure what it is, but it's yeah. terrifying, and the bog. <laughs> what are we looking at? Are we looking at like a vast array of, of enemies to battle against or at least have like these games against? That's what's kind of fun about the design on this one because it's a challenge production-wise to do so many environments, but it's also really freeing that we can have the Goblin Forest, which I, I refer to a lot because we have that one pretty far in production, but you have the Goblin Forest, 
you have the Wild West, those those enemies are going to be totally different. So you have a few different types of goblins in the forest. And then you have, you know, you're not going to have goblins in the Wild West. You know, you're not going to have goblins in space. So that sounds pretty cool now that I said it out loud. <laughs> but you're not going to have those <laughs> enemies kind of transfer over. So it allows us as a studio to really design an array of kind of enemy types that our characters can kind of experience. And similar in some ways to how Mario would don different suits, we're not necessarily getting different powers as we put on different suits, but you'll get to, you know, when you're in space and you're space Marco, you have on a little space suit, right? And so it, it starts to be fun that you kind of embody these environments and it changes your look and you're you're kind of pretending while you're in these places and i like the transitions if you go to the website you can see a couple of the videos and the different transitions such as him being in his backyard and jumping on a crate it looks like or whatever he's made and all of a sudden he's snowboarding or he's riding on his bike and his friend goes you're going too fast and then he's on a horse or when he walks past the playground it becomes like a deserted planet or an alien planet it's really cool the way the transitions are done and in screen too i thought that was neat what is really the process of that do you have different people within the company working on different areas or are you kind of just working on them all together right now how does that work for development our production methodology is basically we're building a rough skeleton of each imagination zone so you know i mentioned the first two goblin forest and wild west i think we have four total imagination zones that we've we've already planned production out on and so we we build each one of those as like kind of a compartment while a team is working on that a team of typically two to three people full-time dedicated to that we have another team that's kind of the overworld team so you know they're focusing on okay how do these all connect so that way someone can build just a almost like a wild west video game using our characters and our our tools that we built but how does that really connect into the rest they don't need to worry about that because that's what the overworld team does like okay how do we transition you know we all know the story of when it happens but how do we actually get from you know marco's backyard into outer space you know and they kind of build in those those transitionary pieces to connect it all are we going to see any classic tropes such as the bully becoming like the bad guy in like the wild west you know kind of like back to the future with biff and stuff like that or yeah no definitely having some fun with some of those tropes you know our first pass on the forest we had you know the bully doesn't let you through until you find the secret item and then you find the secret item and, and he runs off and you see him turn into a goblin if, if you look throughout the forest you can actually find that goblin and he keeps running away from you and you chase him throughout and and yeah there's there's definitely reoccurring characters that show up in the imagination and in reality i mean you can kind of as a player have fun to decide like are they really there am i totally is is marco really imagining everything or is some of this actually happening right now and we're having some fun with that that's so much fun what was the feedback from retropalooza like was it mostly positive or did you decide you had to go back and rework some stuff? No, it was really positive. I mean, I think we we were the hardest critics of it. I mean, we definitely, as we're playing it more, I mean, we're there all day with the build. You know, most of the time we're in production, we're going 100 miles per hour. And so being at a conference where all we really have to do is watch the booth, watch the build, play the build. Uh, we found a ton of things we wanted to modify. One example was... The parents' voice acting was really mean. They were just really mean to Marco, and and, and we're like, why are the parents so mean? Let's let's re-record these. Let's rework this dialogue and change what they're saying. So we we found a lot of stuff like that, and and then just got really motivated because people people seem to enjoy it and and have fun, and definitely things that we weren't doing too. Like we found some people were able to break. Like oh, I didn't know they would want to to roll around the background, you know, and try to look for for hidden items. It's like oh, we we don't currently really have hidden items. Maybe we should add little things you can find. That, just interesting, interesting things we got from that conference. Oh, that's cool. That's a cool concept. And like, maybe they change like what they're wearing and stuff like that. Yeah. And 
That would be awesome. Now I'm like, I want to make a game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how many hours of gameplay are you shooting for? You we still on the fence. I mean, it's going to be a relatively short game, but I, I'm thinking, you know, we're thinking probably an eight hour sort of experience. So you probably played in a couple sittings, but it's still very much in flux. We could end up making a touch shorter or, or quite a bit longer since we're only kind of through maybe three quarters of the first act on actual skeletal build out. It's hard to say for sure the actual duration of time, a short game. And it, will this be kind of like a calling card game to let other people see what your development studio is able to do? Is that what exactly? You're yeah, that's. that's that's one of the primary goals. I mean, we would love it if it sold well and funded it on its own, the next project. But ultimately, like we kind of want to, we have so much talent here at Dev House, but because we're self-funded and we, we don't have some large amount of capital that we can just invest into a game full time, you know, we don't get to show that talent most of the time to anyone but who our clients are. And so, yeah, we really want to say, hey, as a studio, look at this, you know, creative endeavor that we've made and kind of announce Dev House to the, the gaming community in a more meaningful way. I was going to ask, you're shooting for Steam and Nintendo Switch, which I always think going for Nintendo Switch is just a genius move. Do you have any suggestions for up-and-coming developers, indie developers, people working on games or have a passion for it? You know, there's a lot in the DFW area that I've been talking to, but what would be your main advice for them and to get started? Definitely start with very small scope. I mean, Paracosm is almost the opposite of that, but we've been doing this for many years. So, and even still, like when we talk to different publishers, it's been like, wow, that's, that's a very ambitious design. And, and so, you know, even knowing that we still get that feedback, but I would say as for many years of building games on my own is always start with something very, very small because it's going to take you four times as long as you thought it would to finish. And just the process, don't like, don't expect whatever you're working on to be the thing that necessarily gets you there. Because half the time you get bored of it halfway through development and you want to move on. The other half of the time, you're not as experienced as you thought you were. And so you look back at it and you're like, oh man. Like if, you, if you're a creative person, you ever look back at your old stuff, you're always like, it's always cringy a little bit. And so don't put too much pressure on whatever your current project is. Like this is the game that everyone's going to love. It's like finish the game that you think you want to make right now. And then if it starts to get traction and people love it, that's great. And then maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. It is, but focusing more on just the craft, starting small, just getting good at your craft. I think it's, it's the best advice I can give. What keeps you passionate? Like you said, sometimes you get bored with it. Not bored, but you get frustrated or and you want to move on to the next thing. And it's always about the next thing and the next thing, especially with creative types. Right. What keeps you grounded? What keeps you passionate about the current projects you're working on? Well, thankfully, running a studio helps with that because when you're just by yourself, like a solo indie developer, it's there's no one really holding you accountable most of the time. So it's sometimes harder to, to stay motivated Back when I was in that role, when I was just kind of developing games on my own, I was always really motivated by just the vision of like seeing that I know this cool thing could come to reality, but sometimes that can only go so far. So, I mean, for us, it's it's often making sure we don't, you know, let the people down that are relying on us. So, you know, most of the time that's clients. So I guess one way people who maybe don't have client work and are just making games is is talk to people about it, you know, bring people into, into your development process. So they start to ask like, hey, when's the next build coming? Or hey, you know, do you have any cool new screenshots? And maybe that'll help keep you kind of motivated because someone's someone cares, right? And that keeps you you wanting to care as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, is there anything else we'll talk about the game? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I'm excited for people to see it. You know, if, if we do get a publisher, uh, you know, the ones that we've talked to, there's not too much concern of kind of creative directional change there. I and mean, hopefully that support will allow us to start to 
to share it more with the world and, and put more marketing content out there. But yeah, and until then, I mean, following our Instagram is probably the best way to keep up to date. That and Twitter, but uh, whatever your preference is, Instagram or Twitter, just following us there and shoot me a message. You know, me or someone on our team will respond to you on those channels. And, and we like to talk about the game. So if you have any specific questions, we can't always answer. If you think we might change it, and then we're like, well, we don't want to say one thing and then people get mad at us because we changed it. But a lot of the times, you know, we just love talking to people about the stuff. And once again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you do have a TikTok. So they're all linked in the bottom of the actual website. You can go there. They'll be linked in the description here. So go check it out. All right. Well, Jim, I appreciate you talking to me today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Lost in Paracosm is the game. Keep an eye out for it, everybody. And hopefully we can talk to you again when the game releases. That'd be really cool. I would love that. Appreciate right. it, Doug. All right. Thank you, Jim. You have a great day. Thank you so much for taking your time today. Thank you. And there it is. Thank you again so much for checking out the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other podcasts here on the We Are Podcast Network. We have We Are Air, where we talk movies, entertainment, whatever the fuck we want to talk about. That's me, that's Jake, and that's Javi. We're breaking down that pop culture, and we're having so much fun. Heroes, Jeros, a Dungeons and Distractions side quest. Me and the boys were playing some D&D. You can start that one from Season 1, Episode 1. It's a blast the whole way through. And I hate being sober. Personal stories from epic people. I sit down with some of my favorite people of all time. We talk about their trials, their tribulations, and their journey this far. And finally, our new live video podcast, Camp Slash Horrorcast, where we're going to have a roundtable discussion about our favorite horror movies. That'll be available on Twitch and YouTube, streaming every Monday at 8 p.m. Check the links in the description to find out what movies we'll be watching. Also, check the links in the description for our social media. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash we are podcast network. With that said, thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. Please remember to support local comedy in any way that you can. We'll see you next time.